When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence. Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on. Too busy to catch us on the afternoons on Talk Radio? Too many children to care for? Too many jobs to manage? Well, never fear. Help is here in the shape of the Matthew Wright Podcast, where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny, bite-sized morsels just for you, you busy so-and-so. So sit back and enjoy the best of the Matthew Wright Show here on Talk Radio. Now, we're going to turn to, to a new voice from this show. Uh, Kirsty Strickland is a name I've been following on Twitter for a while. A brilliant commentator on all things Scotland and a columnist for the National Pro-Independence Publication for our friends in the North. She joins us now. Good afternoon to you, Kirsty. Hello, Matthew. Good to talk to you. And to you too. And to you too. Um, well, what a day you've been having up there in Scotland. <laughs> Anything going on up your way? <laughs> um, first of all, what can you tell us about Derek Mackay? I mean, I don't think I'd be overstating it to say that this, this story has been a bit of a political earthquake yeah. in Scotland. I mean, Derek Mackay is a, a senior figure in the SNP. He's a very well-liked politician, um, well-regarded. He's seen as capable. Um, and obviously, he's, a, he's the finance minister, so he's got a big job in government, or he had a big job in government. Um, moreover, he's actually the guy who was tipped to replace Nicola Sturgeon, succeed Nicola Sturgeon, if and when she should um, stand aside. So to say that Gosh. there's stock up here is, you know, is... Um, yeah, that wouldn't be overstating it. But, um, uh, I, I mean, I've been I speaking to a few people within the SNP today and the sense of disappointment um, in Derek Mackay, you know, as a colleague and a friend, is, is palpable. I, I mean, I'm I, I, astonished and flabbergasted are two of the words I could describe my own reaction because he, he seems to have conducted himself in... Uh, so naively, I mean, leaving aside that the questionable, deeply questionable approach is made to a 16-year-old boy, mm. to continue to, to essentially harass him o- over social media is extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I saw the story last night, and Nicola Sturgeon said this was the first she'd heard of it, so the story broke late last yep. night, and we kind of got snippets of a few of the comments. But it wasn't until, and she accepted his resignation late last night in a face-to-face meeting, but it wasn't until this morning when the, when the full transcript of the messages was published in the Scottish Sun that I think many people really understood just how serious um, a situation this is. The power imbalance involved between the two is one thing. The Absolutely. age difference, 
but also Derek Mackay's persistence in in trying to arrange and facilitate a meet-up with, with this 16-year-old. It was back in August that Derek Mackay first contacted him. He found out very soon after that the boy was 16 and that he was still at school. Yeah, he carried on messaging him all the way up until the, the 1st of February this year. So wow. this makes us far more than just you know a misjudgment Doesn't or just... a lack of care. This is um, which, which you know, brings... this is a really serious situation. Which brings me on to, to the First Minister's original statement. I am aware she's sort of qualified uh, this with a a number of subsequent uh, verbal statements, but it was this, and I'm indebted to Nicola Thorpe, uh, a regular on this show, for pointing it out, that Derek has made a significant contribution to government. However, he recognises that his behaviour has failed to meet the standards required. And and as Nicola Thorpe points out on Twitter, grooming a child is not failing to meet standards. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's, it's way beyond that. The the First Minister, I think, was keen to get a statement out quickly. Right. Um, And then she saw the full transcript this morning. Look, Matthew, I am the first person to criticise politicians on these issues when they they don't do enough. But it's very easy to have warm words, you know, to say this is so terrible, we condemn this, and then not do anything. The First Minister has, hours before her finance secretary is due to give a budget, this is one of the biggest days in the Scottish political calendar, he's gone. Not only is he gone, he's suspended from his party, he's suspended from the SNP parliamentary group and she made I mean she was livid in First Minister's today. Um you know she requested to make a statement before First Minister's question. She didn't wait to be asked and nobody watching that statement could be in any doubt about both how seriously she takes this issue and how, you know, personally angry she is with the conduct of Derek Mackay. So I think, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll always look for ways to criticise politicians and they can do more. But I think on this issue, as she has done before, I think Nicola Sturgeon has showed that she she is willing to take the hard decisions, you know, when necessary. But Kirsty, isn't this a scandal of such a magnitude that this is the kind of thing that governments fall over, isn't it? If it was here... I think the Tories would be in massive problems. I mean, it's, doesn't it's, this it's the question, the question I think down in Westminster is whether, I mean, we've seen it before with some fairly dodgy politicians, including politicians who've been sent to prison, yeah. still trying to hang on to their seats. But I think it would be a, it would be questionable as to whether or not someone could hang on to their seat under under the circumstances in Westminster. What about up in, in Holyrood? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we saw from the Westminster harassment scandal that problems like this are not the preserve of, of one political party. And um, having said that, in the, the Scottish Parliament, we don't have a, a mechanism that Nicola Sturgeon couldn't remove him as, a, as an MSP. Obviously, we've got the elections coming up next year. It's unlikely, you know, Derek Mackay's political career um, is over. But yeah, yeah we, we shouldn't underestimate how serious this is. And it's very much an ongoing story. You know, Police Scotland have issued a statement in the last hour or so saying that while they've received no complaints thus far, they are assessing what's available in the media and if anyone has any information they should come forward so I think this is a story that's certainly going to rumble on for the rest of the week and we'll have to wait and see what happens The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio Suffice to say that if you've got ears and you listen to radio, you will have heard endless discussions about the merit or otherwise of prison. In fact, in just the last couple of weeks, we've had Chris Dawes, the QC, come in, basically saying that prison's an utter waste of time and money for all but violent offenders. We're just chucking good after bad. Um, Well, I'm sat in front of me uh, right now is a chap who has experienced prison. Five years is the sentence he got. Um, He's a documentary filmmaker and... uh, it's really, I, I guess, ironically, I don't know whether he'll see it this way, that actually being in prison and, uh, and keeping a diary of his experiences may very well be the making of him because it's a real window into the realities of prison as experienced by a white male. And uh, Chris joins us now. Good afternoon to you. Lovely to see you. Thank you so much for having me in. Good to be out. 
Oh God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, oh it's, my God. If you if you think some of the stuff, some of the stuff that people talk about prison, it's uh, it's like a holiday, holiday camp. camp. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, some of my colleagues here, you know, they got TVs, oh, they got no. this, they've got that. Life's too good from inside. Yeah. yeah. So what what got you into prison? First of all, let's go. Uh, from let's the let's let, let's get that out of the way. Well, I'm a documentary filmmaker, and uh, I was trying to make a, a film about ten years ago. It's a documentary, and uh, I couldn't get it funded. Um, about uh, it was about celebrity culture, the media. Ironically <laughs> enough, it's about media corruption. There's many, many, many <laughs> ironies laced throughout this story. It's a deeply personal. I know. We'll start start chalk, chalking him up. <laughs> Uh, 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 and uh, funny, no, it was about Max Clifford and uh, a newspaper you might remember called The News of the World. Yeah. And uh, uh, But because the subject matter, nobody uh, legitimate wanted to fund it. But there were a lot of these tax schemes doing the rounds yes. there, and there's a lot of stuff in the papers about it now, a lot of celebrities investing in sort of quite questionable schemes. The celebrities would pay less tax, and the filmmakers would get a bit of cash to make their film. And quite rightly, after austerity and, you know, the financial crash, HMRC started clamping down on these and tightening up the rules. So there were some accountants who started pushing the schemes ever more, shall we say, into the, into the grey area uh, of accounting. But they needed films like mine to facilitate the dodgy schemes. So you're essentially inflating costs so the, um, the, the partners would pay less tax. That was the, that was the gotcha. bottom line of it. So we would get some money to make the film. So you, you, you did tax. fraud to make films? Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's a good way of uh, uh, sort of summarising it. We weren't sort of the only people doing it, but uh, as my barrister said to me, you know, you've been pulled over for doing 75 miles an hour and there's people bombing past yeah. you doing 90 miles yeah. an hour. No. Doesn't matter, you've still done 75 miles an hour and you've got to take, take the heat for it. So. I, I, we don't have the time, unfortunately, today to, to go through arrest and prosecution, mm, mm, etc. Mm. So perhaps if you could take a Cut the to chase. Day one and night one. Where were you? I, I, I was sent to HMP Wandsworth. And I didn't, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. In at the deep end. Bad rep. Uh, yes. I know, I know. You were saying earlier that someone who's done every prison in the UK said yeah. it's the worst prison they've ever been to, and I'd probably concur with that. I didn't know it at the time, but when I went in, it was the largest prison in Europe. It was the second most overcrowded prison in the UK, and it had the highest suicide rate. And when I went in, the officer looked me up and down and said, You've never been to prison before, have you? <laughs> no! Uh, and he said, right, I'm just going to tell you something right now. This place is full of slime. That's how he sold it to me. I went, great, that's a good introduction. Uh, and uh, you go on the induction wing, which is where they keep people who are very severely mentally ill, and also people who are clucking. And people who don't know clucking, so coming yeah. down off drugs. So it was rather noisy and rather terrifying. But fortunately, I was in, thank God, I was my first cellmate was someone who was straight out of porridge, Proper old school crim, and he'd uh, he'd been in and out of prison all his life, um, and and nothing scared him. And uh, he he took me under his wing a bit, and he taught me lots and lots of prison skills. And said, "Don't worry, the first week's terrible, but soon it gets better and better, and you'll 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 be all right. Basically, what, you'll be all right." What I mean, I, I know what would be in my mind on my first <laughs> night in prison. Um, what was what were your the what thoughts, were the darkest thoughts? Well, that, that, that bit wasn't actually too bad because I'd just come out of the trial, which was truly horrendous. I always say to people, I could handle prison, but I couldn't handle the trial. So the trial was wow. actually worse. Wow. Well, because it's the uncertainty. And yes. I always say the biggest killer in this life is uncertainty. And once oh. you know your fate, <laughs> it, it's kind of okay. And, and, and I had actually, believe it or not, it's like Monty Pongletti, it's like, I've had worse. I was actually expecting a worse sentence. So the fact that I got a five meant that I, I thought it, it might have been six, actually. So I was Did actually Did you immediately relieved. think two and a half when you hear five? Yeah, you're halving yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, you're halving yeah. all the time and stuff. So uh, uh, so I thought, OK, that's two and a half. And I also knew that that meant... You, once you've got less than two years to serve, you can get to open prison and things get a lot easier. So I knew I'd only have I'd have only six months in Wandsworth. Turned out to be nine. But but you you think, well, it's, I've only got to get through the next six months and, and things won't what be so rubbish. What was the worst thing about Wandsworth? 
Uh, oh, God, the food. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there was, it, it, I thought the food's going to be rubbish, but there'll be lots of it. That's the joke. The food was rubbish and there wasn't any of it. If I fed it to my son, I'd get a, a prosecutor for parental neglect. It was that awful and and tiny amounts and there's no way a growing man can can survive off that so can i uh, ask you some of the, the i mean the other questions i mean i want to go fairly quickly through yeah, them yeah, yeah. um drugs on prison oh yeah ev everywhere i mean I, at one point i i didn't get ill thank god but i did i did have a bit of back pain once and i tried to get paracetamol and then i just couldn't get paracetamol at all and there was a guy standing next to the meds hatch going i've got crank got skunk got cocaine got spice got smack what do you want <laughs> standing there and I said I actually just want some aspirin and they went you can't but you can have some smack I mean that is the thing and I talk about this in my book it's a painkiller uh, yeah 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 it does the job no I mean it, it, I talk, it, it, in my book a bit of a stretch I do say this it's like prison was an awfully traumatic place but it's also darkly entertaining The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio What is in Curiosity Corner today? Okay, I'll tell you. It's the Goldfish Club. Now, two things I can tell you about the Goldfish Club. There ain't any goldfish in it. That's the only thing I actually know. I don't know two things about it. It's an extraordinary thing, actually, and um, I think it's probably better that I hand you over to a member of the Goldfish Club to explain. His name is Jason Phillips. He's an OBE and a former Royal Navy officer, which might just give you a clue as to where we're going with the Goldfish Club. Jason joins us on the line now. Good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon to you, Matthew. Now, I know what the Goldfish Club is, because I've met a member before, but perhaps for our listeners, you could explain. Uh, certainly. So the Goldfish Club is for anybody, aircrew, passengers, anyone who has started off a flight in an aircraft and ended up getting wet. <laughs> so the aircraft has crashed, or they've parachuted out, or they've ejected, but they've ended up getting wet. And your current membership? Uh Currently, in terms of just over about 450 uh, active members, of whom 50 of those or so are associate members, so they'll be direct blood relatives of someone who has actually ditched or ended up in the water. Um, but at the peak, at the end of the Second World War, we had over 9,000 members. <gasps> so where, where, where are the very origins of the club? So, uh, well, very forward thinking, and I heard you mentioning earlier uh, about... Uh, mental health. So yes. the club was formed uh, at an air sea rescue manufacturing company, uh, PB Cow, in Streatham in London. And the chief draftsman there noticed, who was, was called Charles Robertson, uh, was a visionary. He wasn't an aviator at all. He, he just was fantastic at doing his bits and pieces for the air sea rescue right. uh, company. Uh, and regularly what would happen was uh, RAF personnel coming back from doing their missions, etc., would come and visit the the factory to thank people, the the men and, and mainly women, even in that yeah, time, yeah. working there who were working, doing war work, making the survival equipment, and they'd come back to say thank you very much indeed. And he realised then, wow, these guys have gone through all sorts of things because of the requirements to turn them around quickly and get them back to the front line. He realised that they had a really short leave. Uh, break in between to come to terms with, for many, is obviously a very dramatic occurrence yeah. in their life. So he thought, wouldn't it be a good idea if they could all get together and talk about these things? So I think even back then he recognised, uh, you know, PTSD, as we would coin yes. it today, and how good it is to talk. So the origins, 
You see, I, 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 I wrongfully assumed that the origins were sort of a sort of glory. You know, look, aren't we amazing? You know, we've fallen from the sky like stones, but we're still alive to tell to tell the tale thanks to, to landing in water. But in actual fact, you're, this is a, a club to support people that have experienced great deals of stress. Uh, absolutely, I don't think any of us. Uh, um regard ourselves as heroes at all obviously there are uh, many uh, tales of heroics in getting the aircraft down into the water etc uh, etc et but um, no we don't walk around and think how good are we because obviously uh, it's great that you no one wants to go out and deliberately crash in the sea to seek membership of the club. And, uh, uh, the, yeah, well, there might be some who do that. I don't know. None that I've ever met. I bet um, that happens but, now. Yeah, but, but, but that opportunity to uh, live that shared experience uh, and that comradeship, which was set out right at the beginning back in '42, is is as virulent uh, today and as relevant today. Oh, We're all still talking about those. Do things. you have civilian members? Yes, we do. Um, so we have uh, a number of civilian members from people flying light aircraft to passengers in transport aircraft to paragliders, balloonists, uh, all sorts. So although it started out as being primarily for the Royal Air Force, it very quickly opened to uh, all the services. So again, thinking back to World War II, we've got glider pilots yeah. from the uh, attacks on Arnhem, all those sorts of things. Uh, and then across all the dominions, people in prisoner of war camps when it started off, and it's gradually uh, expanded and expanded, albeit that obviously that that peak of membership of 9,000 uh, has died off because, of course, you know, yeah. thankfully, we haven't had any global wars in the last 70 years. Well, I want to know who the most fa famous member is. Who's... Uh, well, we, we did have an honourable honorary member was... Uh, George Bush Sr., up until he died during World War II. Uh, Richard Branson, I believe, is a, an honorary of member. Of course, ballooning, yeah. Balloon. So uh, th there are a, a number, but it, it doesn't matter how, you know, famous or what your fame and fortune is. It, it's a, uh, a, a club who... It doesn't matter what your background is. When I joined the club at the time, wow. I was told the, the annual membership was £3 a year. Uh, and the membership secretary told me that of all the national clubs that existed at the time in Britain who paid a, a, an annual membership, it was uh, £3 was the cheapest. I should but it say had so. the hardest joining routine. <laughs> which, now, uh, what, what, what's your joining story then, Jason? So I was uh, flying in as an observer, so a, a navigator, uh, in a seeking helicopter, and we were looking for a uh, an RAF Jaguar jet, which had ditched, uh, ironically, in the wash, so just in the North Sea off Norfolk um, in September 1998. We had to locate it. Uh, the pilot had successfully ejected and was rescued. We just had to locate the aircraft and myself and uh, two pilots and an air crewman. Uh, and uh, we just located the uh, the wreck of the jet when our own aircraft burst into flames. <laughs> I know um, I shouldn't laugh, but I mean, it's just, I just got the coincidence. It's extraordinary. I mean, what are the chances? So, I well, mean, well, well I, I guess, you know, the irony, I've always thought it's quite funny that I ditched in the wash, um, uh, which is one thing. Uh, and then the. Uh, did you all, did you all, did, did you all get out okay from, from the seeking? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, uh, Burnt. The aircraft was uh, was on fire, and I realised that um, it, it was terminal, uh, and had to try and put the fire out. And 
the immediate thing which came to mind was to try and beat the flames out, which uh, was one of those don't try this at home kids moments because all I successfully did was set fire to myself. Um, I, I know this is this might seem uh, even more torturous as a question, but the pilot that you'd recovered, how did he feel about being sent back into the ocean minutes after you'd located him? No, so he had ditched the day before. Ah, so he'd ah, already been rescued, ah. uh, and uh, so it was his aircraft that we were going to locate just so they could recover it. And, and I guess the irony is there was a salvage vessel which was on the way to pick up his jet, and it picked up our <laughs> helicopter instead. Do you, have, uh, do you have any members who are double members? Uh, we have uh, uh, a number of multiple members. Um, so we have certainly someone I know who's uh, uh, alive and well and hopefully listening in, yeah. in St. Austell. He's a quadruple goldfish. <laughs> just, I just never want to fly with him, whatever, whatever his name is. I never <laughs> want to go on a plane with him, please. <laughs> and if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from 1 on Talk Radio. 